Hey everybody, Max here. These first few episodes are a bit rough, whether in sound quality or in structure. So if you want to go ahead and treat episode 5 as a starting point, go right ahead. Anyways, thank you for listening and stay square. Uh, cranky underneath oh, the fucking table, boy. Boy, shit, do not air this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the inaugural episode of Musical Squares, where we four squares sit in a circle and deep dive one album at a time until each and every one ever recorded has been picked clean and officially marked off our list. Going around the circle to introduce ourselves, I'm Brett. My name is Nick. I'm Dennis. I'm Maxwell. And here we go. Deep Purple's Machine Head. You guys heard this one? It's off the cuff. Yeah, you know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually listened to it seven times, incidentally. Dennis, have you listened? <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've actually heard this album probably like fifty times. Fifty, yeah, good. It's a few Jesus. more than me for sure. <laughs> so just going from memory, Deep Purple. They're an English hard rock band from uh, England, Hertford, Hertfordshire. That's good, a place in England. Good you guys, memory. <laughs> have you guys heard about this place? <laughs> no. Yeah, that's definitely from memory. I didn't see you with the uh, Wikipedia page up. <laughs> no way, man. Well, those are actual notes. That is not Wikipedia. It's from Wikipedia for sure. Oh, okay. Good weather in Hertfordshire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. So these guys were formed in 1968. They had about one year with their first lineup. They were kind of a psychedelic proto prog band. They uh, uh, had a few minor hits in that year. 1969, they moved on to their Mark II, maybe their most famous lineup is the guy from the first album the guy that went to captain beyond yes yeah what was his name i didn't rod evans rod evans yeah yes mark two mark two i got an uncle mark (laughs) two anyways so you know 1969 they get this guy ian gillen they got roger glover on bass round out the lineup richie blackmore john lord ian pace mark two they went to a, a, a straight-up heavy metal style uh, from their sort of classical roots. And they released an album called In Rock, and here we are, 19... What did we say this one is? I actually didn't write that. This is 72. 1972, The Purple Machine Head. Why don't we, why don't we go around the circle? We'll start with uh, the things that we think are good about this album. We'll call this segment, I don't know, The, the Good? Oh, yeah. Our soon like to be famous segment, The Good. <laughs> So good, good. Yeah. Well, Brett, why don't you lead us since uh, this, this album I, was your pick? I did pick this album. And we, we've actually been listening to this for a few months now. This isn't actually off the cuff like we had been pretending. Which I'm sure it seemed very <laughs> off the cuff, but you know. I mean. So this album just totally fucking rocks. It starts off with Highway Star, which is, I don't know, just the most rocking thing of all time. I wrote down in my notes, pedal to the fucking metal. I think that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of become, you know, parody, pedal to the fucking metal song over time. It's just, it's just that good. Chugging, chugging guitars, screaming screams, screaming um, bass. <laughs> I screaming scream snare. Screaming snare. Uh, the dual solos, I think, are just incredible. The yeah, classical. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're both great in that song, but Blackmore's solo is 
fucking crazy in that song. It's like a, it's like a modern day like solo. Yeah, it's that yeah. whole middle solo lead, the whole tapping, and it's good yeah. stuff. It's really yeah. good stuff. This song is like speed metal before speed metal. Yeah, it it, it totally is. Yeah. yeah, I wrote down best opener of all time, and I I'd probably stand by that. I to this song can't come on without me like turning it all the way up and accidentally driving too fast in doing some research for this record i was i think it was um uh, john lord was talking about when they wrote this song they wrote it to be an opener like for an album <laughs> and uh i thought it was funny because he said like he's like yeah before that like at shows and stuff um we were opening with speed king at the time and then they just write a song that kind of has a similar title so moving on maybe i'm a leo great riffs uh it's just kind of Hard blues stomping, you know, pretty standard fare, but very good. Pictures of Home is my favorite on this album. Uh, I think it's the most interesting, the darkest track, kind of a showpiece for all the instruments. Oh, yeah. Every solo is really cool in that song. Yeah, it's incredible. It really fits. There's a drum feature and a and a kind of a bass guitar feature. And it's got, I wrote kind of a pre-new wave of British heavy metal feel. It's a little bit... I think ahead of its time. I hear that. The, that, that uh, yeah. For listeners, that would be like Iron Maiden or you know those sort of '80s heavy metal bands from England. That uh, opening riff is so driving and like flowing. Yeah, it's um, the most Blackmore sounding riff on the whole album uh-huh. <laughs> for sure. As soon as it starts, I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. In the uh, the structure is interesting. How it kind of stops halfway through, and you think it's over, and then the. The drums come back and it. Ian Pace is like so insanely consistent and good on this record, but especially that song. Like yes. he, yeah, he's just really driving it home the whole time. It's really cool. I wanted to say about that about the opening riff too, because that's probably like that's also this song is also my favorite one on the record. Um, pretty easily. That main riff is so cool. When I again, when I was kind of looking stuff up about it, I ended up watching a bunch of uh, John Lord interviews just because he seemed like such a nice guy and he tells stories really well. But, he seems like a yeah, a quiet grandpa. Yeah, I, I put that he was like very grandpa-ish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in my notes, but like he um, he told a story about that because he's like he's like playing on a keyboard like in the interview and he does the chord changes for that like riff. And he like he like makes fun of Richie Blackmore and like uh, he's like yeah I think he picked that um, chord change up from like some Eastern European random radio and he's like probably the one that he had built into his hat. <laughs> <laughs> I you know this is sort of a side but I read where when they were when they were first going into the in rock their sort of Ian Gillen heavy metal style. John Lord wanted to be more of like a classical unit, and that's why they did that concerto. Yeah, that first live album. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That so that's the first thing they did with Ian Gillen. Richie Blackmore said, "If this doesn't sell, we've got to go like hard rock," and it didn't sell. So that's where we are. Huh. It's an interesting, uh, interesting thing there. Moving on, then. Why don't we just move on? Yeah. Never before. It's a good song. Said it's got a happy sound with really sad lyrics. Uh, it's a little more standard. Maybe a an attempt for a radio song. I wanted to say um, that said, song has has one of the few like uh, soft moments in the album. 
Yeah. About right in the middle. It gets very, it's almost ballad-like. When I was young. Yeah. I wish there was a lot, almost a full song like that. I, it's the bridge, right? In the yeah. song, I guess, yeah. Okay. It's about, it's about halfway through. It gets quiet, soft for about 30 seconds. I, uh, this is the one, this is the song that to me, like, stands out on the album. Because the rest are a little darker or more intense. And this one's pretty. This like feels said, like the radio song. Yeah, an attempt. Yeah. They actually said that's when they sent it into the record label this was supposed to be the single ironic the record label was like no it's smoke on the water and they were like what no well what do you know 40 years later and here we are smoke (laughs) on the water one of the best songs in hard rock music history what do you guys think about that i really disagree with that oh damn okay speak up are we gonna wait for the bad we'll wait for the bad okay we'll wait for the bad I was uh, hoping to skip this entire podcast so that I'd never have to hear the story <laughs> of how this song was written so ever again. In the year 1970, Deep Purple were playing in Mantra <laughs> with Frank Zappa. You know, there's uh, this crazy story. It's actually, if you just read the words in the song, it's the whole one. It's the whole story. I'm going to not even wait for the bad. I was so disappointed <laughs> listening to that song, like paying attention to the lyrics and finding out it was just about a bar burning down. It was a casino. Yeah, smoke on the water. And it's just about smoke on water. I know. I was, I was okay. so let They didn't lie to you. We'll, <laughs> no, they didn't. We'll wait for these fucking bozos to talk in the bad. I think, <laughs> these fucking bozos. I think this song, don't like smoke on the water. I think the problem here is that this song was so overrated for so long. Mm-hmm. It's become so fucking underrated. Like in real life, this song's awesome. The riff is awesome. The solos are awesome. Yeah, the vocals are awesome. The bass guitar. Dun, 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 dun. It's become such a commonplace hard rock song that it is almost generic. It's a parody of itself, but that is for a reason. Because it's um, so awesome. <laughs> it's easy to play, you know? I'm, I'm that way with like Thin Lizzy's The Boys Are Back in Town. Yeah, that's that a fucking awesome is song. Such a commercial, like constantly played hit that it's hard to take it seriously as an amazing song. Yeah, I guess so. I I still like it. You know, I mean, it's I overplayed think, on the radio. But yeah. when this comes on, I go, oh god damn! You know, when you're listening with headphones, the riff's awesome and the production is really heavy. You know, wait, how does that riff go? <laughs> You know, I actually wrote on here, if you don't like it, you don't like hard rock. <laughs> so, well, that's just not true. Should I, I'm going to put your name in my notes. Um, <laughs> do that. Move it right along. Lazy. There's not a lot to say. It's a really great blues jam. I got a lot to say about Lazy. Love it? Lazy was by far my favorite. Yeah, song. okay. Really? Hmm. Um, I, the extended, like, four-minute jam intro got me so fucking pumped I, every time. I didn't mean not a lot to say in a bad way. I meant it's a blues it's jam. So it's so fucking it good. Is, it is a really, really, really well done blues jam. I'm it's, actually, um, I will say, I wish the whole song was instrumental. I don't I don't really like it when the vocals come the in. The verses are kind of an afterthought. It's just like listening to them jam out yeah. four or five minutes. This is the most surprising thing that I could have imagined hearing coming from you. I love about this song. Yeah, you this just album, said, you about just this about song. <laughs> 
You, you were just talking about how you weren't into blues. Yeah, and this something. is they're pretty blue, purely blues. I think it's it's really the combination of the drum beats. It's just like it's so good. So space trucking. I think this one is underrated. It's possibly in the pantheon. Possibly the heaviest song of all time. Possibly that wily coyote chorus. It just it captures that sinister feel. It's a very it's a very cartoony riff. I like the song. I've heard it a million times because of Brett. I mean, like I like the song, but that chorus does make me laugh, and it doesn't really. It's not goofy enough to take me out of it. Like I still, but it's a fun song. I like it. It's it is funny too, though. It's silly. This is, but it's also really kind of it's it's the only one with a kind of I don't know it's a little more like dark I guess the the riffs. I think it has the most straightforward uh, song structure mm-hmm. on yeah. the album, like traditional song structure I should say. Yeah, yeah it's just kind of four minutes riff, first chorus, verse chorus, solo chorus, whatever, and then fade out. Yeah, um, this was this is the one besides Smoke on the Water. This is the song I knew of Deep Purple over Highway Star. Yeah. You didn't know Highway Star? I recognized it when it came on, but Space Trucking is the one I used to listen to a lot. Interesting. Interesting. I put this as the the third banana song after Highway Star and Smoke on the Water, but I think it's just as good as those two, even though those the three are that like... Smoke on the Water sucks. <laughs> I didn't say it sucks. Yeah, well, you're about to. No, I'm not. <laughs> you didn't say you liked it. Those three I... songs are like the cornerstones of... Deep purple songs, people know. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, and I think that's those three songs are where they like cemented what Deep Purple is. Maybe its placement is a little awkward. It comes after end. Lazy, and it's kind of just a straightforward rock song, and then the album fades out. It takes that, me off guard every time. I think if you look at it, it's heavy, less heavy. Pictures of Home, heavy. Never before, less heavy. Smoke on the Water, heavy. Lazy, less heavy. Space trucking. So it's. It is kind of a back and forth. I've actually never been a huge fan of that kind of album structure. I like it. Like give and take. One good thing about this album, there's not a ballad at all. And I think that's probably a ballsy move. See, the time. they cut the ballad, didn't they? They had one. Oh, I don't know. It's on like the re-releases. That was actually something I wrote down. And what when we were talking about um, Never Before, I wish there was a ballad. Which I think is it, very rare for me. The album is served without having a ballad because it's just pure like adrenaline. Mm-hmm. It kind of it pulses groovy, fast, groovy, heavy, groovy. You know, I think it's great. I think the whole album is structured really well, and I think all the songs are good, and the musicianship is incredible. Uh, quite a few of my points we are we just touched on with the the songs like specifically. I'd agree. I'd say that I like all the songs on the album. I think structurally it's pretty good. The production is clear, cool. Um, every instrument stands out really well. You can pick it out in like any song. And just speaking of the uh, instruments in general, like I think it goes without saying that like the lineup is just insane. And it's all these dudes, like their top form. Yeah. And they're all yeah. like fucking masters of like the that, instruments that's the exact word they're all masters yeah i actually uh and this is them three albums deep <laughs> no I, I hate the fucking guitars richie blackmore <laughs> is trash no i actually forgot he was on this um are you joking no 
No, what? I forgot That's he was whole, on it. It's his whole thing. <laughs> what? I forgot he was on it. You forgot until when? Just now? Or like... <laughs> what? From, <laughs> yeah. oh. uh, from when I first listened to this almost three months ago, I looked up and I was like, oh shit, I didn't know he was in Deep Purple. And then I forgot oh. until right now. Uh, back to, you know, saying that, yeah, all these dudes are masters at their instruments this is when they're three albums deep, so they are, like, just connected at this point. They know each other really well. Um, mm-hmm. They can play off each other really well. I'd say, though, what's kind of what's kind of amazing about the fact that they are all, like, almost virtuosos at their instruments, like, some of them are, for sure, but, I mean, like, they're all at that, like, really high pedigree, but at no point on this album do I feel like one of them is riding the coattails of the others mm-hmm. like they, they all feel like they're fucking there they like, they ebb and flow the drums and bass will be grooving until a spot where it's time for the drums and bass to shine you know yeah and it's the same with the guitar he'll he'll sit back and go dun, 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 you know i was i was thinking about that's probably one of the reasons i like lazy so much is that that first few minutes it's every instrument yeah just doing their thing and they all say it's it really sounds like they came up with it on the spot and it all sounds like they're just flowing together so well with each other which is part of the reason why it resonates so well with me they're all virtuosos but none of them are being ball hogs yeah yeah no i mean and that kind of actually perfectly dovetails into my last point which is really just that the album like this is a big strength for me is um it rides that line between like being real loose and jammy but the structure is like completely on purpose i mean that obviously just stems from their experience together and all the talent that they have and how good at their jobs they are yeah i don't know it's it's just a really good the album has a really great vibe of being to the point but also like meandering sounds negative but like it's they uh, all they all know how to breathe inside of the music yeah even within like the confines yeah. of what they've made they're all like, playing a different story but it's the same song exactly yeah no that's that's a great way of putting it yeah i don't know i think and we touched on pretty much everything i wanted to say about the individual songs at least for the good the you only mean, other point shit on smoke on the water a little <laughs> <laughs> but the only other uh point that i had written down actually was uh, we already talked about it, but I said John Lord seems like the nicest guy in the world. Just a grandpa talking about music theory, <laughs> which has nothing to do with this album. I just wanted to say it. It's a big positive for me. I saw an interview with him talking about Burn, and he's like, I never liked those lyrics. He says something about uh, a demon sperm or something quite vile. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's really funny is like, when I was looking up those videos, like I said, most of the interviews I watched were with him. It'd be him talking, like, right before he died, you know, so he's, like, 80 years old or whatever. Hmm. And uh, he's telling these stories, like, you know, good old British grandpa would. And then it'll cut to, like, him talking in, like, 1970. His voice, like, did not change at all. Like, he just has that voice even when he's, like, 20 years old. <laughs> and he's just, like, telling, talking the same way and everything. Uh, Seemed like a sweet guy. We're touring... Uh, uh... Europe this month doing a, a bit of hard rock music. Then an, an upstarts called Black Sabbath. Do you think John Lord? This is actually a big question here. Do you think John Lord 
had a problem since you were talking about the lyrics on burn do you think he had a problem with uh smoke on the water someone you know ian calling someone a stupid (laughs) 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 this album actually has very vile lyrical content in highway star he says swear words he's Um, comparing women to tires mm -hmm. for most of it Mm -hmm. i thought about boycotting this album that ain't right killing Mm-mm. It ain't right. Mm-mm. They were just kids being kids, you know. <laughs> I don't know if I'd agree with Brett that Highway Star is the best opening song of all time, but it's but it's up there for me. Um, Can you, off the top of your head, tell me what <laughs> hey, is five the best better ones right now? <laughs> off the top of my head, I would have to go with... 2112. Uh, no, I would go with Lick It, Stick It from Railway 2. <laughs> it's a pretty okay. good one. All right. Let's just move on to Max. (laughs) No. (laughs) This is the good, Brett. All right, all right. Professional podcasters here. Yeah. Yeah, so Lazy. This might be my second favorite song on the album. I love the organ intro. I think the arrangement's really good. Uh, This probably has Blackmore's most bluesy guitar playing, and I really like that. I like how the organ and the guitar complement each other on this song. This one actually has some harmonica that comes in, and that's not usually an instrument that I really care for, but it works really well on this song. Some, um, some tasteful harmonica. Yeah, it's tasteful. Uh, usually it... <laughs> Never heard that. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes me want to put an ice pick right into my ears, but not this time. Um, and then finally, the album closer, uh, Space Truckin'. I dig the intro on this one, too. I love the chorus. It's great. It's great organ playing. And again, another great guitar solo is a common thing for the whole album. And I really like the drumming during the guitar solo. And it's a great arrangement. Again, I've got more good things to say about the album, but I'll, I'll save it for the overall wrap-up. Okay. Um, I just want to reiterate again, the greatest part on the whole album, Lazy. I love it so much. But the only thing that's only really been touched on... That's a rare um, opinion, I think. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick... Nicholas, why'd you say you were shocked to hear that? <laughs> well, one, uh, you've professed yourself... Not even 30 minutes ago. ...that you're not a blues guy, <laughs> let alone, like, a sort of calmer, moodier, softer jam type of song. I just did not expect this to be your favorite track. It just I didn't even expect you to pay attention to it, I to be honest. I love it so much. When I was... A teenager first getting into this album and music in general, Lazy was my least favorite for for the longest time, just because I was like, "What? Is, you know, that's not even a song." But, I was the same way. If it wasn't fast, I didn't care. When yeah. I was a kid, I was looking for you know heavy metal choruses and stuff. Yeah. But this, you know, just becoming an adult, maturing a little bit, just listening, <laughs> listening uh, in between the notes, as you do. Yeah, I just the production on this album for being an album that's almost 50 years old and for the time it sounds perfect production yeah i think it's perfect but i think it's there's a rawness to it mm-hmm. that is perfect about it everything's perfectly clear but it's still got that that quintessential 70s a little bit of like grit and fuzz yeah you mm-hmm. know with the, the way the vocals are like double layered a little sloppy adds a lot yeah that's all i have to add to the good i don't have a lot for the bad I will say some cons. This is subjective. This Deep Purple, I think, aged a little bit rougher than their contemporaries. And I would just say 
Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. That's who you're saying H better? Yes. Okay. And Deep Purple. Because, and I love it, but an organ, a Hammond organ just dates it to 1969 or, you know, that sound. If you hear that, you think, oh, this is 60s music. Uh, it's it's one of my all-time favorite instruments, and especially the way John Lord plays. So that's not a real negative for me. But I But I think this is a reason why this music maybe doesn't resonate today the same way that Led Zeppelin or Black Sabbath or or a lot of their contemporaries do. I'd almost say it's more just kind of the riffing style and the structures are a little more, it's that, I don't know, it's just that little more kind of late 60s feeling than like the, like the heavier Led Zeppelin songs. You know, I think if you took the organ out of it, you would, you know, and that's just me, you know, I'm contemplating, but I think that's a big... That that's half of their sound, and I think you don't really hear that anymore. You know, mm-hmm. that dates it. I love the organ, so either much. in a bad way or a good way. I love it. It's very rooted in blues. Not a, it's not a bad thing, but you could say you know if you're not into that kind of style, you listen to the first Sabbath record. Obviously, that's very blues infused directly. Yeah, but then they kind of took that and made it into like the more you know, modern heavy metal riffing sound and whatnot. So, I mean, this, by comparison, if, you know, to the untrained ear, I guess, is just like, oh, this is, is this even like a rock album? This is like, yeah, you know, it, yeah. So. It, it, yeah, it just ages differently. Yeah. Because it is so mm-hmm. heavily bluesy. I don't even, I don't know if I want to say, never before I think just sticks out, um, but not really in a bad way. It's just the, it's very major. And the rest of the album, like I said, is darker or bluesier. The riffs are awesome, and the yeah. I had a uh, tick on that on my uh, bad uh, list, at least for uh, never before. And I thought this was kind of weird. I wrote this while I was listening to the song, and I said, uh, "Never before is great when I'm listening to it, but I can never really recall how it goes afterwards." That's a, that's uh, poignant. I mean, I like it. But like I said, I mean, even right now, I'm like, yeah, it's probably the least memorable song to me, which is ironic that, you know, again, they thought it was going to be the single. (laughs) But um, yeah, I don't know. It just, that one just doesn't stick with me as much. And and not, like I said, not saying it's a bad song, but that to me is kind of a tick. That is Maybe I'm a Leo for me. I listened to this album three times today, and I can't remember how Maybe I'm a Leo goes. I love that song. So, yeah, Max, you're wrong. Okay. So, the big elephant in the room here, Smoke on the Water. Hmm? This song overshadowed the entire band. That song is more famous than Deep Purple. Yes. Yeah. Uh, And that's not their fault, but it became a parody for simple, dumb guitar rock. And that sucks. It's just something that it's different for everyone, you know, how you how you deal with stuff that has become incredibly commercialized, just overexposure to classic hits. With Smoke on the Water, I don't think it should impact it as much as I'm making it out to be, but this album has like the three most well-known Deep Purple songs on it. For a person like me who heard those songs a million times before actually hearing the album highway star smoke on the water space trucking especially smoke on the water 
kind of takes me out of the album experience. Like it just feels like, oh, here's it's time for this thing. And um, I I know what you're talking about. And when I listen to this, I don't know. It just works for me. Like the end of Never Before, I go okay, okay, and then. Dude, I'm gonna be my head bangs. I'm gonna be completely honest. Dude, I can't help it. There's a couple times I just skip the song. Oh, I, I listen to this album. That's crazy. I, I skip Highway Star a lot. And that's I, crazy. I, I know. I'm I'm not saying I don't like it. It's just that I've heard it a lot. Yeah. And like that one makes me punch walls in excitement. <laughs> again, like I don't. I think it's a testament to how impactful those songs are. That like I've heard it so many times unwillingly it's they've transcended yeah like what you were saying beyond the band there are people who know those fucking songs that don't know deep purple is a band it's a they're really a b-list band that made number one like two or three number one pop songs that the name is not even attached to them anymore yeah and like you were saying that can be you know considered a negative to some to me it has a decent impact on the listening experience. However, I don't fault them or think it's like a terrible thing. It's just that, you know, it, it does impact my listening of the album. And those three songs make up half the album for me. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, yeah. you got to consider that when we get to the scores, just know that that's a heavy thing that I'm considering. Like when, when we rate it and whatnot, that's my main criticism. <laughs> like it's very uh, contrarian to be like, well, they're successful and fucking sucks. No, but I mean, like, you know, <laughs> like, but um, it does affect me a little bit in that regard. Like I said, could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. I think the record's good overall. I think it's great, but that definitely, it, it's something I can't get out of my head when I listen to it. That's fair. I just want to pile on to smoke on the water real quick. Like I said earlier, Finding out that the lyrics were just about their favorite lakeside bar or whatever burning down. Casino. It ruined the song for me. Yeah. I would say Highway Star along with Lazy and I'd say Smoke on the Water, also Space Truck. And the the lyrics are, I don't know, they're a little bit like lightweight. Like they're not very lyrical songs and they just seem like an afterthought. I mean, Highway Star... Uh, you're, you're driving fast on the highway. Okay, great. Like, that doesn't mean anything to me. And the highway's a jerk. Yeah. But, uh, I actually, uh, wrote that down, too. But the lyrics in general were just boring. Uh, I, they don't, like you said, they don't talk about it a whole lot. It's just kind of, uh, about the stuff they were doing. Yeah. I wouldn't go as far as say they're boring. They're just a little bit of an afterthought on about half the songs on the album. That, and, I mean... They, they work for me. I like them, but they're just, I mean, they don't, like, hit me in any emotional way. That might be what kind of relegated them to, like, meathead guitar rock music, you know? Yeah. I, um, I kind of agree with you there, um, because that thought crossed my mind over the, um, you know, when I entered the period where I was listening to this really hardcore, trying to, like, form these opinions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um but I will say it never bothered me enough to really write anything directly down about it. Um, I guess maybe that's just because knowing Ian Gillen from other projects and like just seeing interviews with him over the years, I'm just like, oh, that's just that's just his thing. 
Yeah. I think <laughs> the tonality, and that's that's this entire Mark II version of this band, is his voice, which is very lighthearted, just hard rock, mm-hmm. partying kind of music. And I think that yeah. fits this perfectly. I, you know, It does. And I don't, I don't think anyone really, I mean, they're, they're really, besides Never Before, there aren't songs, it's not really song, an album about love or, you know, Never Before is about a girl, but that's about it. You know, the, all yeah. these songs are about good time and, and hard rocking, and that's about it. I, I would say Pictures of Home has some kind of melancholy lyrics. Yeah, that's true. But, but what I'm saying is he, the, he's not just writing like bullshit love songs. Or, no. You know, these are, these are lyrics he thought about and they just fit the energy, I think. Yeah. He said, oh, this song's going. Yeah. I'm going to write this about a car. I'm thinking about cars. I'm thinking about cars in sex. How can I do that at once? Yeah. I, yeah, I mean the lyrics aren't bad. They're they're just lightweight sometimes, and that's fine. It works for the album. It's a nitpicky thing. In Never Before, I said I like the chorus. I do. Ian Gillen has this little bit of a whine on his voice in that chorus that's not on any other songs, and it kind of grates on my nerves a little bit. I'm also not crazy about the rhythms underneath the guitar solo. They sound a little bit too like boogie rock for me. I like boogie rock, but it's like it's a goofy sound, and I thought it just—it sounded kind of weird. This, yeah, the song's out of place. It's, yeah, they're not writing, maybe not from their heart or from what they wanted to be doing. You know, it sounded like they were, yeah, trying something else. Yeah, and I can definitely hear that. With "Smoke on the Water," for a lesser band or a lesser album or whatever, this would probably be like the best song of their career are on the album. But there's so many other great songs on this. This one's just... This is my least favorite song on the album. It just is. Uh, it's not that it's overplayed, because I don't really listen to the radio a whole lot. What about I, that riff? I think the riff is goofy. What? It just... I mean, the intro to the song where it's just the riff, it just sounds funny. <laughs> yeah, one of the best videos on the internet is Richie Blackmore talking about that song. And just so many, <laughs> you, you can just tell he's so fucking fed up with that song and that riff that he just goes into this spiel about it. He's like, well, most people actually play it wrong. It's like this, you know? And like, <laughs> I finger pick with my third and fourth fingers. It's <laughs> just like that. And you're like, all right, man. <laughs> I, I can see where he's coming from that. Playing that song night after night, that riff. I mean, that's got to be really boring to play. Uh, it's a good song. It's not a great song. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's an in- interesting take. If it were a lesser band that wrote this song, they would just be Deep Purple, because this is Deep Purple's signature. I won't get that deep into it, but... Um, we'll get uh, Purple into it. Well, <laughs> John Lord, in one of those interviews, one of those mini interviews I watched, did say about this song, he was like... Like, he, he, by all means, is like, oh, I like that song, I, it, you know, whatever. But um, he said it was, like, one of the only story songs mm. in rock and roll. Ooh. And I was like, nah, <laughs> not even not even when you wrote it. Yeah, uh, not even close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, let him have it. <laughs> yeah. He the deserves it. Dead. Okay, I, rest in peace. But, I've, you know. I've listened to a lot of... Beethoven. I've listened to a lot of Mozart, and I have not heard one Beethoven story. Barely even had any lyrics. 
Uh, speaking of the lyrics, um, these are my least favorite lyrics on the whole album. Um, I I don't like this story. I'm I'm sorry. I just I don't. Uh, these lyrics they don't mean anything to me. Like it's not even like this a fun like, time. This is like I ain't fucking there. Yeah, I don't fucking I, care. Yeah, exactly. I I mean I don't give a shit. Some douchebag with a flare gun. Who fucking, Some fucking cares? Stupid. Yeah. With a flare gun. Um. Yeah, I don't like the lyrics, uh, and just to pinpoint on something, I really, really, really do not like Frank Zappa, and his name in that song is a trigger for me. What? I hate it. I don't like Frank Zappa. The mention? Yeah, I don't want to hear Frank Zappa's name. You're. This is the wrong episode. <laughs> this is the right episode. He is name dropped, and that's. I'm done. I'm done talking about Zappa. I'm just talking about Frank Zappa. <laughs> yeah, ladies. This whole one hour that we've been having a podcast. I'm done. I'm done with Frank Zappa. That's ladies all. Ladies and say. gentlemen, Dennis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're gonna hear some real hot takes from me. Um, Dennis, the only the other king of the bad segment. Uh, pretty much. Um, the only other thing I didn't like about the album is um, sometimes when Ian Gillen hits some high notes, his voice wobbles a little bit. I didn't. That I see. I love. He's not like a technically. Uh, he's not a technical singer. He's a he's a soul singer that was placed in a. I don't know. It, okay, I, I like it when sense. his voice does that. Personally, this makes me feel bad because because now you guys have said that. I wrote down that. A lot of the high notes he sit, he hits, um, it sounds like when you hit high notes, Brett. Well, thank you. Like a lot of the high notes he hits in Highway Star and Space Truck. The Dennis and, doesn't like? Yeah, he <laughs> sounds like you. Mm-hmm. Um, I like and, the high notes in Highway Star. I'm just talking about Smoke on the Water. Oh, okay. But like when he does the, yeah, yeah, That's in yeah. Space Truck, and, and I'm about to truck talk about that. It sounds like, that's what you sound like. This, this music is like a part of me. Hugely influential. Yes. Yeah. That's about all I can All right, what are the mean things do you have to say, Dennis? Um, <laughs> I don't have anything bad to say about Lazy, so I'll just go straight to Space Truck. And Ian Gillen's vocal wailing, it gets a little over the top at the end. Uh, oh I could have done with that dialed back just a little bit. That's the best. That is, oh, my God. Like the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Man. I, I don't know. That is definitive, like, heavy metal, dude. That, <laughs> okay. I, I can't get into that. I like the song. I, the, I love that shit. Fucking love it. I, I like think, the song. I know you do. I like that part. <laughs> but I can understand for a person who that doesn't hit for them, and the fact that it's on top of that Wile E. Coyote riff is pretty funny. Yeah. I, can, I can imagine someone not liking that at all. <laughs> Eh, fine. I don't know. It was formative to me, and I don't know. I, I think it's incredible. That's fine. Uh, King Diamond was formative for me, so. Uh, Slipknot was formative for me, and that's hilarious, <laughs> so. Hmm. Explains a lot. Yeah. All right. I'm, uh, that's, that's all I had for the negative, so Max, right. go ahead. Max, ending off the bed. Maybe I'm a Leo's placing in the album. I feel like uh, Highway Star is so high energy. And then they immediately come out with a very slow tempo song. It kind of ruins the pacing of it for me. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. You're wrong. All right. No, I feel like maybe they could have put one of the, maybe not Pictures of Home, but maybe Never Before or something, and then have 
Maybe I'm a Leo. But that's also my least favorite song on the album, besides, um, I don't want to say Smoke on the Water is my least favorite song, but it kind of is, just because I've heard it so many times. But the other thing is a very strange, um, very particular nitpick. The the opening riff to Pictures of Home, the... But then it goes into the... I hate that part. I hate it. It ruins what? the little break. I hate it. It ruins the romance. They change it like, like every time. But no, like the first five seconds of the song. You that like that the, the black part. Yeah, it ruins the momentum of that riff for me, and it just it drives me nuts. My favorite one is uh, later on in the song when they do that one, and fucking like John Lord and they were just like going crazy for a second. Yeah, that one. Real quick. Yeah. Oh my god. It's cool. I don't like. Because that riff is so driving and fast, and then it just stops for a a little diddly. I don't like it. It's kind of like a Chuck Berry thing in the middle of a heavy metal song or something. Yeah, it just takes me out of it for like a split second. I don't know. I I don't agree with you. I think it's great. I don't know. I guess what you're saying. Fucking stupid with the flare gun right now, Max. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, and I guess I would say this is kind of more in general thoughts, but like it just. It starts and then it. next thing I know it's over and I want to listen to it again. But like I said earlier, a lot of times I can't remember half the songs on this album after it's over. I remember Highway Star, Lazy, and Smoke on the Water because those are the most memorable riffs yeah, for me. about Lazy still. I'm just <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> those are the ones that just stick out in my head, but the rest of it just kind of in one ear, out the other for me. And on some of the tracks at least yeah yeah um space truck on i think I, I may have said this earlier that's an awesome song but it does kind of just feel like the album ends i like it just fades out and it's I, over. yeah i'm gonna agree with you on that uh, an album's supposed to end on a fade out i disagree to leave you wanting more no mm, i don't agree with that yes i don't think that song no. should have faded no. out no this is seriously i i feel like this album could have used another song it um, left you wanting more you have it on repeat, it ends with a fade out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then suddenly, down, down. Yeah, it Dude. ends leaving me wanting more, and then I listen to it again, and then it still leaves me feeling a little disappointed when it's over, because it's over. Because it left you wanting more. Because it ends One more on song <laughs> that you wouldn't have been wanting more. They're, they're, they're you understand the concept? Satisfactory for them. I don't think Space Trucking was a good closer. Mm, that, well, I don't agree with that. I just don't think it should have faded out. That's it. A, the, a last track on an album should fade out. Disagree. I think it depends. And you go, wow, I want more. You say, wow, that was truly fantastic. <laughs> um, what an interesting way to end the song. Like I said earlier... I really would have liked a ballad. I think I'm kind of alone in that. No, I mean, like, I've listened to that song that was supposed to be on the record as well, and it's a good song, but yeah, I I don't think it needed it. I think it's a good album the way it is. Uh, a ballad would have slowed this album down. Yeah. And it would have taken it, I think, half of this album. No, 90% of this album's power is that it's just a fist of hard rock. In 1972, when nobody was really i mean yes hard rock was a genre already but this was exceptionally hard rock maybe that's why the the soft break in never before made such an impact on me yeah is that's the yeah. one part of the album besides the first like minute of lazy 
where it's just like kind of soft. I think there's something to, for all intents and purposes, they're a pop band. They're they're trying to be a you know career musicians in the year 1972, and they did not put a ballad on their album. I guess we're going to move on to overall uh, feelings on this. Closing thoughts. Closing thoughts and our rating for yeah. our Hell yeah, official murder. list that is beginning today. Rating, rating, rating. So this is an album that hit me, I, I would say, right in the hormones Ooh. when I was a young teenager. Ooh. I didn't know music could sound like this. I didn't know that there this attitude could exist. And when I heard it, I truly think you, these guys are looking at me funny. I'm being, <laughs> I'm being cliche here, but this album changed me. It put hair on your chest. It, it really did. I was yeah. about to ask, did it make your your nuts tingle a little bit? A lot of it. Ooh. <laughs> you, were, I mean, you were talking about you know that you were talking about Slipknot. <laughs> you were talking about Slipknot. No, you you know, even musically, Ian Gillen is a person that I you know have tried to emulate that's who i learned how to make music from listening to and you know richie blackmore is my favorite guitar player i think every track on this is unique i don't think any other band really sounds like that it's the best just raw musicianship of any five piece and i mean obviously it's you can argue this but i think it would be hard to top every single member just playing at this level with this I don't know, sort of ease that they play. It's a mix of lock-in and jamming and shredding at the same time with classical influences, jazz, blues, mm-hmm. you know, soul, and and they kind of, I think, paved a road for heavy metal and, and you know, all sorts of genres that came after. I think I said earlier, like you were just saying, it, it sounds so natural. Like, yeah. they're not forcing anything. Every single member in this band is is in my personal top five of their instrument. And really, Richie Blackmore and John Lord, favorite guitar player, keyboard player. Ian Gillen would be number one, if not for Dio. You can play this, play through this album and listen to any individual instrument. And like I said, you're going to get a, a different voice every time, you know, while they're all playing the same song. Every one of them is... Really, they're playing intricate stuff that fits so well with these songs. Tasteful when needed, but stylish and technical. It's like at this point, they couldn't help but be technical, even though I think this record, they said they were trying to go more basic, which I think they did compared to Fireball. and Compared to, I don't know, In Rock was pretty balls out. Yeah, but they were still even trying some pretty different things yeah. like you know even with like the structures of the songs yeah and stuff. i think i think they they maybe st- streamlined structures i think they streamlined it but i mean I, I i use the term simpler i guess but what i was getting at was like they're so good that it can't help but be like intricate and kind of like well technically and... if you listen to fireball it's got like a weird country song and then uh you know psychedelic stuff that that uh, you know I think instead of trying to be experimental with this one, they went they double, triple, quadruple down oh, on yeah. heavy metal, and I think it, you know it worked out. Obviously, uh, getting to my rating, the only way uh, I'm going to rate this points off for songs not being perfect. 
That's the only way I could think to not give it a hundred. Highway star, perfect. Maybe I'm a Leo, great, not perfect. Hmm. Pictures of home, perfect. Never before, great, not Ooh. perfect. Mm. Smoke on the water, dare I say, perfect. <laughs> uh, lazy, perfect. Space trucking, perfect. I'm taking two points off. For two, <laughs> wow. Wow. For two non-perfect songs, I'm giving this a 98. And I'm sorry. I didn't mean to pick this as our first pick. I will be more critical in the future, but... But I want to make sure that Machine Head is at the top forever. There are a... We have the power to stop this. So. <laughs> we have the power. Okay, I should have gone last. No, there, there are a handful of albums in my life that I do like a little bit more than this. But this album, to me, is just about perfect. This is what I expected you to say, so... I didn't expect fucking 98. Dude, I... I know, I know. I struggled to get it down that far. <laughs> I, I honestly wouldn't have been shocked if you just said 100, so. And I can understand. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go. Okay. <laughs> so, the, uh, like, impression that the world has of this album, I mean, this is the quintessential Deep Purple album, whether you like it or not. Is it my favorite of theirs? Nah, it's not. But I think it's worth Can I actually, can I stop you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's... um. Worthy of the praise it gets, I can say for sure that, you know, we were talking about their contemporaries earlier. I think in that sphere of bands that were so influential from this particular era and that, you know, England and whatnot, I think that Deep Purple might be the most musicians band out of all of them. It's so much fun, like, listening and being able to dissect it and even with their most well-known material on this record i do kind of hear something different every time that i hear smoke on the water or i focus on a different part because i've heard it so much you know and and it's fun to listen to i i still do that to this day yeah yeah like i said is it my favorite by them no but again worth all of the attention it gets you know, in the grand scheme of things, we touched on this a little earlier, but I do feel Deep Purple is a, a tad underrated for how important they were and are, um, especially for this record. On the downside, I'd say it's an album that the hits, which is half the album, are nearing skip territory for me sometimes. Not because of quality, but just by the sheer amount of times that I've heard some of them. Overall... It's not 100% up my alley, but I respect it and definitely do recommend it. Uh, I'd go 79 for my personal taste. Okay. Um, just going along kind of with what Brett was talking about. Um, as far as 1972 goes and what this album is, I can't really pick five better musicians to make this album. Um, I wouldn't replace anybody. They're all great at what they do. They all complement each other very well. They're a great band. They're they're like by the actual definition of a super group, they're not, but they are a super group. <laughs> That's um, funny. If yeah. they all bearing that they were all still alive, if they all got together. They're not a super again, it'd be like, That's a super group. <laughs> yeah, they're, oh, yeah, not, they're not a super hyphen group. They're a super space group. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. 
Yeah, they were all in, in their prime in 1972. So kind of to piggyback on what Nick was saying, is it my favorite Deep Purple album? No. It's my second favorite. I give it a 91. <laughs> all right. Whatever. Hey, Max, how do you feel? Um, kind of kind of agree with Nick. This is a great album. I can't fault it for almost anything. It's just not quite my thing. I'm not super That factored into, into my score more than anything, I think. It's yeah. just that... It's it's very hard for me to uh, to rate it because it's fantastic, but just kind of the more straightforward bluesy hard rock isn't isn't really my cup of tea. But I mean, I can't really say anything negative about this album. All the performances are amazing. Songs are all well written. It's just great, but not quite my thing. Um, I give it a seventy-one. It's great, but you give it an average score very interesting see and that that's what's hard about it it's a it's a borderline perfect classic but <laughs> it's just not for me I, well, mean it, I mean it's perfect and it's incredible but i'm gonna give it a little c let, let me put this into into words here because you probably feel somewhat similar to me here i think it's great i respect i don't, it. I, don't I respect it too i don't think there's a bad song on it however like i have to factor into my score the thought of how often am I going to go back to this in my personal time? But yeah, I mean, like, that's that's a big factor into my thing. I respect it. I would recommend it. I could see why it's so important. And there's plenty about it to like and that I do like. Like I said, will I go back to it that often? Probably not that often. And it's not even my favorite Deep Purple record. So, you know, I mean, that's kind of how I rate albums, too, is if I really liked it, but I don't think I'm ever going to listen to it again... That makes it lose a lot of points for me. Yeah. Um, where, yeah, it's just, it's really good, but it's just not my thing. Well, <laughs> taking all our scores and putting them together, 84? it looks like we are rating Deep Purple's Machine Head an 84.75. Which <laughs> makes it... 500. <laughs> <laughs> which, oh, yeah. believe okay, it or not... I forgot. We're, we're going to... Okay, obviously, these are out of 100. We didn't say that. But, uh, believe it or it not... It's funny. This is the greatest album in the world right now. And also the worst. Yeah. Um, Well, nice first episode, gang. There's a little bit more. We're going to talk about what we're going to do next episode. And And by a little bit more, we mean there's going to be a sentence (laughs) that tells what we're going to do next time. (laughs) And then we're going to say goodbye. Yeah, Um, that's true. I've been waiting with bated breath for Dennis's first By the way, uh, the whole structure of this is that we are all taking turns picking albums to talk about each podcast and next would be dennis's turn yeah so now we've come to the part where it's my turn to pick an album for next week and i'll give some hints and the boys will you know shoot off a guess tell me the goddamn album okay i'm giving you hints first you gotta guess that's the whole thing i don't want to play this well too bad we agreed to it i didn't agree to that one (laughs) this album i said that it was a bad idea this album, Nick, your mic is still on. Oh, shit. It came out in the 80s. This man was... Pat Benatar. Hang on. Well, let me give a couple more clues. This, this man, man was a... Patrick Benatar. <laughs> <laughs> he was a multi-instrumentalist. The first few Frank albums Zappa. that he recorded... No. Purple Rain. Danzig. It is Purple Rain by <laughs> Prince and the Revolution. Oh, shit. We're doing Purple Rain. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a classic okay. album. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is Musical Squares. And we do hope you tune in next time. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Hmm.